There are tears on my pillow that won't dry on their own. Welcome to the Fort Lauderdale Primary Purpose Big Book Studies Thursday Night Alcoholics and Gods Step Series, Speaker Step Series. Let's have our joke now. All right. Thank you, Andrew. How you doing? I'm Joey the Joke Teller. Hey, guys. I got a joke one, a joke for you. <laughs> it's an old one, but a good one. All right. <clears throat> a mushroom walks into a bar and orders a drink, but the bartender yells at him to get out before he stinks up the place. The mushroom looks taken aback and says, Why? I'm a fun guy. <laughs> fun guy. Thank you. Oh, God. That's a good one. Um... <clears throat> I'm a recovered alcoholic. My name is Andrew. Thanks for joining us tonight. In a minute, we are going to start our two-minute meditation. So please take a moment to get situated. Turn off all devices that make noise that might will distract others. Take this time to get connected to God. Let the craziness of the day drift away and ask God to help you stay focused on the step study tonight. Is everybody ready? If so, let's start the meditation. Thank you. 
would like to lead us in the fog light prayer. God, let your love shine through me like a fog light, so those who are lost, sick, and dying can find your love through me. Amen. There is a solution from the big book, page 17. The tremendous fact for every one of us is that we have discovered a common solution. We have a way out on which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. I've asked Ryan to read Appendix 2, Spiritual Experience. We read this because the main purpose of the 12 steps is to have one, so it's kind of important to know what one is. Hey, I'm Ryan, an alcoholic. Uh, Spiritual experience. The terms spiritual experience and spiritual awakening are used many times in this book, which, upon careful reading, shows that the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism has manifested itself among us in many different forms. Yet it is true that our first printing gave, gave many readers the impression that these personality changes or religious experiences must be in the nature of sudden and spectacular upheavals. Happily for everyone, this conclusion is erroneous. In the first few chapters, a number of sudden revolutionary changes are described. Though it was not our intention to create such an impression, many alcoholics have nevertheless concluded that in order to recover, they must acquire an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness, followed at once by a vast change in feeling and outlook. Among our rapidly growing membership of thousands of alcoholics, such transformations, though frequent, are by no means the rule. Most of our experiences are what the psychologist William James calls the educational variety because they develop slowly over a period of time. Quite often, friends of the newcomer are aware of the difference long before he is himself. He finally realizes that he has undergone a profound alteration in his reaction to life, that such a change could hardly have been brought about by himself alone. What often takes place in a few months could seldom have been accomplished by years of self-discipline. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Most of us think this awareness of a power greater than ourselves is the essence of spiritual experience. Our more religious members call it God consciousness. Most emphatically, we wish to say that any alcoholic capable capable of honestly facing his problems in the light of our experience can recover, provided he does not close his mind to all spiritual concepts. He can only be defeated by an attitude of intolerance or belligerent denial. We find that no one need have difficulty with the spirituality of the program. Willingness, honesty, and open-mindedness are the essentials of recovery, but these are indispensable. There is a principle which is a bar against all information, which is proof against all arguments, and which cannot fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer. Thank you, Ryan. Please refrain from disturbing others by talking or constantly getting up and sitting back down. This is a tech-free meeting, so if you're here, uh, set your phones to airplane or meeting mode or just turn it off. You don't want to do that if you're on Zoom right now, though. Um, All right, I'd like to introduce Keith. Uh, He's on his 11th session tonight, Um, so here we go. Tonight's session. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Give a hand for Keith. I liked your session. It's better. (laughs) <laughs> that, would have meant, that would have meant one more, but no, we got two more, three more to go. Hi, my name is Keith, and I'm an alcoholic, and uh, I always feel better when I get here. You know, I, again, I, I get nervous when I speak, and I don't like speaking, but 
you guys are so welcome and inviting, so I thank you for that. <clears throat> um, my home group is the Wednesday Night Big Book Study Group, and uh, my sobriety date is July 15, 2003. And I don't say that to brag, I say that to let the newcomer know that it is possible to get sober and to stay sober. And uh, hopefully, again, um, this is just my experience with the process. If you're out there new and you're struggling or whatever, hopefully it lands and you hear something that'll help you. Um, that's my mission to do this. That's why I do this, because I know how I felt when I got here. And if you'd have told me 17 years ago that I'd be speaking at a meeting, talking about God and loving talking about God, I would have thought you were drinking also. But um, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a miraculous miracle in itself, that I not only have a belief in this God, that I know God, but that um, I love talking about God. So, um, yeah, tonight I'm going to talk about 11. And, you know, that step says, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. So that's assuming that I've had this contact with God. And uh, I can truly say that I have. Like, God, I used to always come in with the victim story, like, why is God doing this to me? Or why did God let that happen? Or, you know, whatever that victim conversation was. And uh, God never left me. It was, number one, I never wanted him, and I never wanted anything to do with him. He's always been there. And uh, thank God for this program, and thank God for my struggles, and thank God for me becoming addicted to drugs and alcohol, because not only has it um, given me this source, this this knowledge of this God, but it's given me a way of life. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are, you know, embarrassed by it or anything like that. And I, I shout it from the rooftops, that anonymity thing, you know, that might be a tradition, but I don't go out saying I'm a drug alcoholic, look at here, but if somebody asks, yes, I'm wholeheartedly a drug alcoholic, why would I be ashamed of something that has given me this new way of life, right? And so, as I said, when I got here, I wanted nothing to do with God. Um, when I was told what the solution was, I cringed. I, I recoiled <laughs> as a hot flame, like, God, no. Um, but I got here, and again, I, I, I say this all the time. I believe that God is the ultimate chess player. Like, I don't know how I ended up in Florida. I don't know how I ended up with meeting Joe Bear. I don't know how I'm 17 years I do now, but I don't, I don't know how all that stuff happened. But I had to do uh, do some certain things, right, to, to, to get this contact with God. Like, God is always there for us. He, he's there, especially when I want him. And when I sincerely want him. Like, I've wanted him in the past. Like, I told you I didn't believe in him. But when I was in trouble, yeah, I believed then. Like, get me out of this, God, and I won't do it again. And, and I think he did that. But I did it again. You know what I mean? And so, and I, and I had the argument of when Joe would talk to me about God, because it was all God, God, God. And I'm just like, come on, man, stop trying to convert me. And I, I'd had that argument. Well, if there was a God, why would this happen? Or why did that happen? You know what I mean? Like trying to disprove this, this thing that, you know, millions of people believe in. And Joe just said, just do the work and your belief is sure to come. Right. So I get the, uh, with these guys. And again, I'm not going to rehash one and two. If you're a real alcoholic or a drug addict, you know about one and two. I mean, if you're in a Zoom meeting, you know about one and two. You know the struggles, right? I hate going to a speaker meeting and hearing a war story for 45 minutes. I don't need to know that. You know what I mean? We might not have done the same things, but I can relate to what you've been through. And so my journey's not any different than anybody else, you know? I got here an agnostic. 
35 years old, a bum, and um, I got with these gentlemen, and they, they, they held me accountable. They, they loved on me in a way where it mattered. They didn't sell out on me. And uh, for the first time, I found out what my problem was, right? Because, again, I thought if I could just drink successfully or if I could just do whatever successfully without getting in trouble, I'll be fine, right? And I said it before, I wasn't, it wasn't always bad. Like, I guess when I was 15 or 16, I didn't get in trouble. But as time went on, my consequences got worse and worse and worse. Until, I love how the book describes it, all my scorecards read zero, literally. And um, I just ended up in Florida. Don't ask me how I got here. I believe God brought me here. But back then, I didn't know. Let's just go south. Let's just drive south. And then I get here, and I get with Joe and John. And um, these guys, you know, they got me into this book, the program, right? Again, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous is the 12 steps, right? The fellowship is wonderful. Meetings are wonderful, but they made sure I understood that. And I love how I wasn't contaminated with any misinformation when I got here, right? That's not a dig. That's not a judgment. But I wasn't contaminated. Like, I got the truth right from the beginning. And I didn't want the truth, right? I fought the truth. I'm hard-headed. I'm hardwired. Yeah, but there's got to be another way. But they dragged me along, right, until I was ready to hear the message. And uh, so step one is, is, is just me looking back and ascertain this information in the big book you know again i don't have to figure anything out that's the cool thing about this program it's all written down for me right a way of life i'm struggling i can get out with this and uh they told me what my problem was right allergy obsession and again i'm the smartest person i know when i get here i know when you talk to me about allergy you're talking about peanuts strawberries and all the other stuff shrimp nope it's not what they're talking about right i have an allergy to shrimp developed it four years into recovery so i know but my allergy to drinking and drugs, that made sense to me. Because for so long, I've been told by my friends, by my family, by my loved ones, before I left them for seven years, that, hey, man, you might have a drinking problem. You might have a drug problem. No, I don't, right? I know what an alcoholic is, and that's not me. Like, I thought that was like a, like a slight. You call me an alcoholic. Like, you call me a loser. You call me an alcoholic, right? But that's not what it was, right? And so I got the truth from these guys. When I start, I can't stop. And when I'm stopped, I can't stop starting powerlessness got it crystal clear then the step two you know here's god right and again if you get with a sponsor and you read this book man and if you're beaten and broken like i was there's there's like hope in the beginning pages right there's hope throughout the thing so this uh can't believe that god could restore me to sanity i'm like again joe stop trying to force feed me this god thing right and he kept making it clear to me that there was no other way out Right. You're either going to surrender to this deal or you're not. And if you're not, you know, you only got two courses. Go on to the bitter end or keep living life like it's like you've been living it. Right. And uh, again, I didn't want to feel like I felt when I got there on July 15th. I didn't want that. But I damn sure didn't want God either. Let me sit up here and make you think, oh, I'm Moses and I wanted that. No, not at all. I just wanted to stop the pain, but I still wanted to, you know, vicariously live that way like one foot in and one foot out sort of thing but no i had to be all in right so i got step one i got step two right and what's blocking me off from the side of the spirit right it's always been me i didn't know that right again i'm the victim it's your fault where my life sucks if god was really real he wouldn't let his children suffer this way like i had all that bull crap you know response to to what joe was trying to tell me so one and two is done, and then we get to make this decision. And this decision was going to be the basis for the rest of my life, right? I'm making that decision every day, but back then it was so minuscule. 
And that decision to turn my will, which is my thoughts and my life, which is my actions, over to the care of God as I understood him. I just told you I don't understand God. I didn't understand God. And I don't want to turn my will over to something I don't believe in, I can't see, touch, and feel, so I'd be a hypocrite. But I was dying. Not literally, but figuratively, wanting to kill myself. So if you have that problem, anything like me, and I know I just said there's no human solution, but if the guy you're turning your will, I turned my will my life over to John and Joe, right? Because they were believers. They were in, in this program. And I believe that they kept telling me, if you do this work, your belief is sure to come. So I believe that they believe. And so I let them run my life, manage my life. And again, kicking and screaming, like what kind of <laughs> resolve and resilience do you have to have given the, the carnage you just left to still win a fight and struggle? That's who we are as humans, right? We're very resolvent and resilient people. And so I do that third step prayer with my sponsor and I get to writing, right? And then the third step, they, you know, it talks about the, the, the promises and, and when I took such a position, what position is that? That I'm going to let him run my life. So I do that and I, and I do this four step inventory. And for the first time in my life, you know, because again, I'm a masquerader. I wear lots of masks. And I, and I apologize if it sounds repetitive, but, you know, it's my truth. And I'd like to bring it back a little bit to get to where we're going. But this four-step inventory, man, is a catalog of of me, right? I never took that. I never took inventory in myself, right? I was always the one who would sell you a bill of goods, right? I can clean up nicely. I could sound good. I can tell you what you want to hear or get you to hear what I want you to hear in such a way that you buy my crap, right? So it was all a lie. Right. There was no authenticity. There was, you know, it was it was a lot of work being who I was when I got here. A lot of work. And so I do this four step inventory and I find out who you got when I showed up on the scene. And I stopped asking the question, man, why is my life so screwed up? And started saying, of course, my life is screwed up, given how I was living my life. Right. I wasn't a murderer or a rapist or anything like that, but I was a scumbag, you know. And uh, I said a couple weeks ago, God does not dwell in a, in a cesspool, in a garbage disposable. And that's what I was when I got here, right? So as I'm going along and I'm doing this deal, you know, we get to read page 25. And I, I meant to talk about it last week. Like I said, I try not to script what I'm going to say, but I try to pinpoint some things, and I forgot that. I finished like 10 minutes early last week, and I'm like, damn, I forgot to say a couple things I meant to say. So we're going to talk about page 25 tonight. And again, take yourself back to when you're new, right? And you sit with a guy who's armed with the facts, and he's got you in this book, and you come in beaten and broken, you get your white chip, and you just think life sucks and there's no way out of this thing, and you start reading the book, right? And then you read page 25. Now, nothing's happened. You haven't done anything. I haven't done anything, right? But it says the great news is, the great fact is just this and nothing less, that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences, which they just read before the meeting, spiritual, spiritual experience. Change, 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 change. I never wanted to change. I wasn't willing to change when I got here. But if I do change, this is what happens. Which has revolutionized my whole attitude. My attitude sucked when I got here. Towards life, toward our fellows, right? And towards God's universe. Towards my fellows. I was a taker, right? What could I get from you? It was never about what can I do for you. Listen to this. The central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish these things for us, which we could have never done by ourselves. Man, 
when I'm new, even when I was new back then, I heard that. I thought, again, this is all Pollyanna crap, right? Like, that can't be, that can't be real. And it's on page 25, so he hasn't even done anything. He's just writing some stuff to get me hooked in and stuff, right? But no, that lives for me today, right? The central fact. Is it the central fact every day? No, because I take my will back, right? The recuperative powers of the ego, right? So I do this third step, and that, that right there is, is a possibility for me. Right. So we do the four step inventory. I get who you I see who you get. And again, it wasn't easy to look at. Now, I'm not saying the four step is difficult. It's not. Right. So don't listen to those naysayers out there who say, oh, it's the boogeyman and take your time on doing the four step. And right. How long do you want to be sick? Right. If your, if your sponsor says, let's wait on the four step, run, like get somebody else like that guy wants you dead or he just doesn't care about you. That's just my opinion. Right. The fourth step is not the boogeyman. It's the beginning to freedom, right? And so I look at that and I say, man, okay. So they say, let's do this fifth step. And then me in the presence of my, and God and my sponsor, we do this fifth step inventory. And um, again, we were there for about two, two hours, two and a half hours. And I used to say, I told that man everything. But as you guys know, if you've been here, I didn't tell him everything. There was one thing I wouldn't tell him, Right. Now, by this time, I've been sober about three or four months, haven't picked up a drink or a drug. I'm still not all the way in. My housemates are going out left and right, and I'm, and I'm just, again, God's grace. Like, I didn't do anything special. I didn't do anything that nobody else did. I was still lying about talking to women. I was still lazy not uh, going to work and stuff, and I was still doing old stuff, right? And I didn't get drunk. God's grace. I know that to be God's grace today. Not anything I did, not my willpower, not the Marine in me. No, none of that crap. That was God's grace. God had a plan for me, right? So the fifth step done, I go back and sit for an hour. I'm still, I feel better, but I, I still got that secret. You know what I mean? And the book talks about it. You know, is there anything left undone? Is it, are the, are the uh, rocks set in place? They are, but they're not. I got that one secret, man. And I can't, trust him because I, you know, even though I know him, I don't know him, right? Where I'm from, you don't tell on yourself. So I got that thing, but at least I'm in, right? At least I can say, you know what? I did the four step inventory. I did the fifth step inventory. I got a little bit of hope, you know, I'm in there. Now the real work begins, right? One through five is done. Nothing's changed. Joe was adamant to tell me that, you know what I mean? Just cause you're in, just cause you go to some meetings, just cause you live in solutions and shit. You're still the same person, right? Now the real work begins. Six and seven, six and seven, which I'll be doing for the rest of my life, right? And so we get a program of action. Like, am I ready for that guy that I just uncovered to die so I become who God wants me to be? Am I ready for that? It's a scary proposition. Because I've been me for 35 years. And not all of me was scumbaggish, you know what I mean? Not all of me was horrible, so, again, for me to surrender that to something I don't believe in, I can't see is, ah. Uh. So if you're feeling like that, I get it. But it must happen, right? So I go on about this, and, and, and we, get, we get a game plan. Like, who do I want people to get when I show up on the scene now, right? Step six, I'm asking God to kill that man I just uncovered in step four and five. Step seven, I'm asking to create the man I want to become in your image. Six and seven, six and seven. Again, I'm a broken man, right? I'm not the person I was 17 years ago, but I'm still not where I want to be, right? So 
So I do this six and seven. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm changing. Right. I, I start to uh, my whole program shifts by a certain event with John being there. And I know exactly the date where my program went from just hanging in there to I'm all in. Right. All in. And from that day forward, my life hasn't been the same. Right. So six and seven is done. You know, I incorporate this way of living. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. And uh, I started seeing results. Like I started seeing I have a purpose. Right. At the time, it wasn't I don't know what that purpose was, but I, I feel like my tomorrow's is going to look different than my yesterday's. And that was big for me. Right. When I got here. So I go about this and uh, 10 months in, it's time to go home, and make amends. Right. It's time to go home and set right these relationships. Right. Because it's all about relationship. Everything in life is relational, I believe. Right. Be it with God, be it with you guys, be it with work, be it whatever. I'm in relations with people. And so who did people get? Did they get God's child? Was I trying to be the fog light to people when I got there? No, not a fog light at all. I was a shipwreck when I got here. Right. So Job says it's time to go home man. take care of these amends. And uh, 10 months in, I got a game plan. And the cool thing about this deal, and it said it in the spiritual experience that he read, is that they will see it in you before you do. Right. So the fact that I go home and, and I ask for permission to, you know, meet with the family and sit down and talk about this. And, you know, I did a mini fist up with some of them, most of them, and told them everything. Where I'd been, what I'd done. There was no, there was a lot of fear, but there was no, like, me trying to sugarcoat it, me trying to dress it up in any kind of way. No. I was the oldest grandchild. This is where I was. This is what I did. This is who I am today. This is what I'm trying to become today. They heard something different. They heard something new. Right. It wasn't scripted. Joe and I said a prayer that morning on the phone. Right. And I envisioned that that uh, amends. And man, what I had made up in my head didn't happen. It's, it's a miraculous thing what we do to ourselves. The mental the mental gymnastics will play with ourselves. Hell, even to this day sometimes. Right. So, again, I'm incorporating this daily thing for living. And they got somebody completely different. Man. And I wasn't talking about God and God did this and God did that, but they heard somebody different, right? Back way back in the doctor's opinion, Dr. Sookworth said we need to have an entire psychic change. How do I get one of those? It ain't 90 and 90, you know, it's doing this work. So I had the entire psychic change and they saw that, right? So I come back to Florida. Again, that, that's taken care of. My my fam, my family familial amends are made, right? Mom forgave me, dad forgave me, brothers and sisters forgave me. Everything is good, right? I'm still living that lie though, right? I come back here, I start getting sponsees because I find out, you know, that that's where the work is. That's how I stay sober. So I start getting sponsees, and again, I feel dirty inside because I'm sponsoring guys, but I'm living a lie. And the lie is that I have a warrant for my arrest, right? My past is still dictating my future. And Joe knows this. I, and I talked about it. You know, I guess you can go online now and look at somebody's criminal history. He knew. But he waited, right? He waited for me to get a job. He waited for me to have money saved because I wasn't going to call mommy to help me get a lawyer. He waited. And during this time, I'm, I'm going along. And again, I'm not giving God the credit, right? I'm four years sober. I'm doing this. I got the big shot, big shot going on. I got uh, guys going out left and right at the house. I'm judging them. I'm going to meetings. I'm judging the speaker, right? I'm character assassinating people in my mind, right? No God there. Just Keith running the show again. And thank God for Joe. Joe saw that, 
right? And so he stepped to me, and it's time to, you know, step it up a notch. And again, he knew I was anti-church because every time he talked about it at the house meeting, I would bring up my past with the church and all this stuff I made up. I condemned the whole religion. And I wouldn't even say religion. Everybody, like Jewish, Muslim, Christian, Catholic, y'all all were the same. Hypocrites. Sunday you're good. Monday through Saturday you're like I was, right? And he saw that, right? He saw me drifting back in the old self. He saw me mixing something old with something new, and I can't get something new with that. And so he came to me and he said, uh, let's go to church. And not some church, not any little church. Let's go to Calvary. Uh, no, Joe, not doing that. For a week, that was a, the conversation. Because he saw, man, he, and he, he's been around for a while. He knows when the ego's coming back. He knows when old self is coming back. And uh, there was no improving that conscious contact. I've had, I've had the miracle, right? I've been sober four years, and I still don't want to give him credit. What is that? The recuperative powers of the ego. Mm. Right? So on the seventh day, we have a blowout. And uh, again, I go to the most spiritual place I know at the time, and that's the Owl Casino with a buddy of mine who can't stay sober. And I'm just in that casino. And again, my mind wants me dead. I'm character assassinating my best friend. He's my best friend now, but then he wasn't. And uh, I had a moment of clarity. God, I mean, God is just amazing. I'm sitting in this casino. There's drinks around me, right? Tim Step promise. I'm not drinking. I'm drinking a Sprite, smoking a Newport. And I'm just like, F him. And, rah, 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 and this guy's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, God, like, smacked me upside the head. Look who you're with, this guy. Look who your character assassinating, the guy who's been nothing but your lifesaver, your lifeboat, who's had nothing but your back, what are you doing? And I just snapped out, like, yo, take me home, right? I get home, knock on Joe's door, made an amends to him, told him that I was murdering him in my mind, and I said, I know, Joe, you've never lied to me once. In my whole four years, you never lied to me. And if you, if it'll, if it'll get you off my back about this church thing, by me going this one time, I'll go. And he said, that's all I want, right? That's it. He said, that's all I want. He's like, you're letting your past dictate your future as far as church goes. Just go this one time. If you don't like it, you never have to go back. We go Easter Sunday, Lockhart Stadium. And I said it a couple weeks ago. Excuse me. It was like they had a camera in solutions and in my world and in my life. Because everything he talked about that day was what I was going through. And I just kept looking at Joe. And he just kept smiling, like shaking his head, right? So that's what we did before COVID. Every Sunday, we start our days out of Calvary Chapel, right? So now the men's are done, almost all of them. Um, I got this new contact with God uh, a little bit more. I'm going to church, right? I got this pastor who I'm digging because he's not preaching at me. He's not preaching to me. He's just speaking the word. He's speaking layman's term, and I'm loving that. And so I'm all in again, right? And I love this part about the uh, program that I can recommit anytime. Anytime I can recommit. If I'm slacking off, if I'm, if I'm skating backwards, I can recommit. And that's what I did for your sober. So now by this time, Joe knows I got some money saved. It's my own money. 
He says, it's time again. Take care of that one last amends because it's running me, man. I mean, if I was in a meeting like this and speaking and let's, God forbid, a cop was a crunch monkey. Oh, my guy can't speak for you. <laughs> I can't do it, buddy. Why not, Keith? Uh, I got to work. Uh, whatever. I just couldn't tell him the truth. Right. So I go back and I take care of that amends. All right. I'm not going to talk about that story again, but let's just say I turned myself in and everything worked out the way it was supposed to work out. The way that Joe knew it was going to work out because God didn't bring me this far to drop me. Right now I'm totally free. All right. So all my amends are made. The nice step promises are coming true. And the nice step promises. I love how you guys don't read those here. Right. I wish meetings wouldn't read the nice step promises. Right. Don't read the third step promises, but don't read the nice step promises because newcomers hear that because I was one of them. I heard the nice step promises at the one on one club. Ten days sober. I'm at an open, disgusting meeting. I'm sharing. The promises are coming true. Yeah. Haven't had a drink. Got a little jobby job. Little Susie gave me her number. We're going to TGIF after the meeting. The promises are great. That's not what they're talking about, man. The promises they're talking about is the freedom. The freedom from doing this work and being free. Being free from the past. Being free that everything that you've done to other people, you've reconciled that. That's what they're talking about in the nice their promises. Right, so this way of life. Now I'm, now I'm in. Right, I'm in. I feel God with me. Promises throughout this whole step process, a way of life. Ten step, you know, four through nine all the time. Me and Mike were talking about it before the meeting. In my 17 years, I've never been big on the nightly review, the nightly written review, so to speak. Right, I'm big on the ten step. I'm big on the spot check inventory. I'm big on not putting more garbage in. That way, I don't have to do it at night. Eh. But I want to do better than that. So I was talking to Mike, and he's going to hopefully send me that thing. But the 10th step, the spiritual weakness happened, right? Recovery has taken place. I'm a recovered alcoholic by this time. Recovered alcoholic. And again, people argue that fact. Oh, you're never going to be recovered. You're going to always be recovering. Again, I used to argue and fight that when I first got sober. It's like, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. No, if that's how you want to, if you want to just be recovering, God bless you. My book tells me that's not so. I recovered from a hopeless state of mind. So when the obsession comes in my mind, or if I'm having a bad day and I think about, oh, it'd be nice to have a cocktail. It'd be nice to smoke a blunt. It'd be nice to, whatever. (laughs) So my mind wanted me dead, right? My mind goes back to what it did to me, not what it did for me. And I recoil from it as a hot flame. That's a recovered mind. Doesn't mean I'm not an alcoholic anymore. I'm still an alcoholic. I still have the allergy of the body. I still have, you know, if I put it in, it's going to set up this phenomenal craving for more. Right? I got evidence to that. I might as well put my keys up here, my wallet, my credit cards, everything when I smoke that or I drink that. That makes me recovered. The book tells me that on more than one occasion. So I don't argue that fact. So the 10th step promise, I can go anywhere on God's green earth, right? Safe and protected if I have a legitimate reason for going there, right? No vicarious pleasures. Let me, oh, I miss go. Let's go play some pool. No, I don't play pool. But I've been to concerts. I've been to whatever, where there's been drugs and alcohol. And I never felt worried about it. I never thought, well, man, I'm, I, I got to be careful. No, I'm safe and protected, right? So now we get to step 11, Right, sought through prayer and meditation and improve this conscious contact with God as I understand them. 
I understand him a little bit more than I did 17 years ago, but I need to improve more. I need to, I need to seek him more, right? So what does it say in step 11? And that's the thing, people. We don't have to figure it out. It gives us instructions, especially if you got a good sponsor. All your answers are here. I wish normies, I bet they wish they had something like this, huh? <laughs> so step 11 suggests prayer and meditation. We shouldn't be shy on this matter of prayer. Better men than us are using it constantly. Now listen to this, because he always puts a condition on it. It works if we have the proper attitude and work at it, right? My prayers today aren't like uh, cosmic bellhop, Santa Claus, wishy-washy stuff. Like, let me get that job or, man, let me win the lottery when it's $150 million. That's not my prayer today, right? My prayer life is very simple. It's not like an our father, our thou. I talk to God as I'm talking to a friend, like this guy. Watch out. You know? It says, it'll be easy to be vague about this matter, yet we believe we can make some definite and valuable suggestions. Now, they start off, you would think somebody would say, well, in the morning, this is what we do. But no, he starts off with, when we retire at night, we constructively review our day. I believe he does that because he doesn't want me to wake up in the morning with emotional hangover from garbage from the day before. So we do that at night, right? Were we resentful, selfish, dishonest, and afraid? Hmm. Where have we seen that before? Four-step inventory, right? So if you get the message of this deal, we're going to be taking inventory for the rest of our lives, right? I awaken by looking in, right? As I look more in, I'm more, I awaken more. I think Young said that. Do you owe an apology, right? What is that? Eight and nine. Just talked about that. Have we kept something to ourselves where we should discuss with another person at once? Step five. Were we kind, loving toward all? What could we have done better, right? Were we thinking of ourselves most of the time or were we thinking about what we could do for others or what we could pack into the stream of life? I need to do that more, right? That's why I was talking about that with Mike before the meeting. I can do my 10-step spot check inventory, but am I really taking account at night? What could I have done better? Where was I? Where are my debits, right? So, like, for instance, this week, now, I talk about my job a lot up here because I spend a lot of time at my job, 10 to 12 hours a day. And it's a, it's, a, it's a feeding ground for this spiritual life that we talk about. And I can tell you, 50-50, some days I'm undisturbable. Other days, the little thing sets me off, right? So this past week, we, were at, um, we had the three-day weekend. We leave work Friday. We lock up. Everything's good to go. I guess Friday night, there was a lightning strike, and it hit the... The, light, the pole outside our building, and it was a fire. So it blew our power in the building. It blew the transformer, our phone lines, our computers. Nothing. So I get a phone call from my employee at five. Or he texts me at like five, five in the morning. He gets there early to start routing the trucks for deliveries. So I add, he texts me at five oh five. I text him back. Is everybody else on the block out? He's like, no, just our building. Imagine that. So now in my prayer, I already know. I already know my customers. My company is a company that, you know, any normal company would say, if we're big out inventory and you don't want to lose inventory and you don't want to lose, you know, thievery and stuff, we'll close until this gets taken care of. No. Pool Corp doesn't do that. We've worked through hurricanes before. Hurricane uh, Wilma, I was there, me and another guy, selling 
selling the, uh, what do you call that? The boards. Firewood. Yes. Thank you, Michael. <laughs> Any opportunity, right? So I'm at work. I mean, I'm at home and I'm praying and I say, I already know. God, my prayer for this morning, please help me to be understanding and accepting of whatever comes my way today. Help me not to go off on a customer because I know, you know what I mean? Like, that was my prayer. Like, help me to be understanding. you. Help me to be useful. Let me lose my top. Right? So I get to work that day. My employees are there. They're sitting around. And, like, most of them are new, but they don't know that Pool Corp doesn't close. So they're just sitting there. I'm letting them sit there until 6 or till we open. It's 6.30. I start opening the door. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're opening. It's not safe to work. It's dark. I'm like thinking to myself, well, first of all, it's light outside. Second of all, all the bay doors are open. Third of all, the footlifts have flashlights. But if you don't feel safe, by all means, go home. I was prayed up that morning because the other response would have been totally different, right? So three people leave. Me and my ops manager, we're just going about our day. I say, listen, we got our laptops, we got our iPhones, we'll hotspot it, we'll take care of the customers to walk in, delivery guys won't get their deliveries, and we'll just make it happen. I said, we'll do the Marine Corps way, adapt and overcome. She started laughing, right? Called my boss, let him know what was going on, because I know somebody's going to call him. And he, I told him what was going on, he was like, everybody all right? I'm like, yes. Told him what we were doing, he's like, all right, good to go. So for the whole day, customers coming in and out, most, for the most part, they understood. They were appreciative that we opened to take care of them. There were a couple that were a little bit, uh, let's say, not so nice. And again, I was prayed up. I was prepared. When they got nasty, I didn't go to that level. That's not to say I've never done that, because I have. But that's just, that morning when I prayed up, I was good. I was walking with God's grace and armor, right? And so that was Tuesday. Wednesday, we get power back with no computers. Again, God helped me just be more understanding and not lose my temper on the customer. But it was very, uh, you know, stressful. But again, I was prayed up, right? <laughs> God, crazy. So that's our night, making a nightly review, right? On awakening. So here's our plan for awakening. Let's think about 24 hours ahead. We consider our plans for the day. Before we begin, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking him that he be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, or self-seeking motives. That's what I did that morning, right? That's what I try to do every morning. Envisioning my day. I told you guys a couple weeks ago, Joe had me doing this in step six because I want to be different than the guy I uncovered. But now, even now, when I'm out doing this uh, work in the morning, I get up. I don't get up at the last minute and rush around. I'm up at 4.45, 5 o'clock, right? I don't drink coffee. I get some lemonade, go on my little patio, and I sit and talk to God, right? So envisioning my day, right? Joe called it a constructive imagination, so to speak, right? So I know where I'm going. I'm going to SCP for 12 hours. I know who I'm going to see, all my customers, the regulars. I know there's going to be incidental customers coming in. There's going to be homeowners coming in. Who do I want them to get when I show up or when they show up, right? And that day with the, the power, I envisioned my day. I envisioned me seeing a customer, especially this one guy, little Napoleon complex, who thinks it's all about him. I envisioned running into him that day. I envisioned his response to this power outage and what was my response going to be? And man, it happened just the way that he came in and rah, rah, rah. I'm sorry, we'll do our best to help you. 
little patience and understanding will get you out of here, right? Envision my day. And nine times out of ten, when I do that, I have a pretty good day. Now, the days when I go out of the house and I don't do that, when I, when I as Mike Chase calls it, the drive through McDonald's style of uh, meditation, my day ends up crappy, you know? I'm walking out. I'm restless. I'm irritable. I'm, waiting to, I'm looking to be offended. I'm looking for somebody to piss me off. I'm looking for a customer. Don't you understand? I'm here for you, right? Don't you understand? I've gone off on customers before, and, man, I felt like a complete jerk about it, right? I've gone off on an employee. I think I don't know if I told the story to you guys, but I told it to the, the guys before. He made a big mistake, right? And I dressed him down in front of everybody. Man, he looked like he was not going to cry, but I, I could tell I wounded him, right? And so my ops manager came to me and told me that was wrong, right? Now I got this moral compass inside. Right. And it doesn't have to be just alcoholics and, and drug acts that we, we, we carry this message to and we act this way for. Right. I carry these principles in all my affairs. I'm incorporating these principles in all my affairs. So I'm listening to her feedback to me, her experience of me in front of that guy. I called him into my office. I was wrong. Yes, you messed up. But I was wrong how I handled it. I shouldn't address you down in front of those people. I don't want to be that kind of boss. And you're a great employee. You just made a mistake. We all make mistakes. And I apologize. And when I was done saying that to him, the smile came on his face. And he's like, I appreciate you saying that, Key. Right? And I didn't do it for that. Right? I did it because I didn't want to feel like a jack butt. You know what I mean? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> God. So it says, in thinking about our day, we may have indecision. We may not be able to determine which course of action to take. Here we ask God for inspiration and intuitive thought or decision. We relax. We take it easy. Imagine that. Relax and take it easy when I have indecision or something struggling. Pause. That wasn't a thing before I got sober, right? So I paused. It says, we don't struggle. We are often surprised how the right answers come after we've tried this for a while. What used to be a hunch or an occasional inspiration gradually becomes a working part of the mind. But listen to this. Again, <laughs> steps are done. I'm on step 11. But listen to what he says here. Because he knows the ego, man. Being still inexperienced and having just made this conscious contact with God, it is not probable that we're going to be inspired at all times. Again, I am not like AA's number one person all the time. Right? There's times where I'm a raving lunatic. That's when I need him more. And Bill knows that, Right? I don't get rendered white as snow, but just because I'm sober, right? It's going to be a continuous effort to do better, to do better than yesterday, to do better, right? I'm not going to be on the spiritual beam all the time. I swear like a sailor. I don't think Moses swears like a sailor, you know what I mean? But God knows that about me. It's not probable that we're going to be going uh, inspired all the time. We might, pay a, we might pay the price for this presumption in all sorts of absurd actions and ideas. Nevertheless, we find that when our thinking will, as time passes, be more and more on the plane of inspiration, we come to rely upon it, right? So this God of my own understanding, right? And it's God. It's not like a door or a tree or the wind. It's a, it's a living, breathing God, right? I know that he has done for me what I could have never done for myself, ever. And, um, you know, we do this thing at our home group called the, the um, sanctuary meeting, 
right? Now, before I got sober, I could never sit still, much less for 55 minutes of a guided meditation. We do that every 11 step where you sit down, eyes closed, you're comfortable in a chair, there's music and there's readings and he guides you. And you can take that when you're done, you have your own inner sanctuary, right? Because this is a spiritual plane. We're looking for the fourth dimension of existence. And I can go there anytime, anytime during the day, anytime when I'm disturbed, right? Again, that's not, that's not me. This is not me talking about God. Like the, God has entered into my heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. And I love the, what they used to say about me telling you about the God of my understanding without saying a word, right? There's people who will let you know, oh, let me quote the Bible. Yeah, you're trying to sell me something, right? I love those jailhouse. It's like almost like the jailhouse preachers in the jailhouse or the halfway house preachers and stuff, right? Quoting Bible and verse, but can't stop drinking and smoking crack, right? Don't tell me about your God. Show me about your God. Show me, does a, does a song master dance, so to speak? Are you walking this thing, right? And if you do stumble, which is known to have been happened, how do you handle that? I talked about it a couple weeks ago. Pastor, my pastor Bob at uh, Calvary had a moral, moral failing, so to speak, right? To me, that was the realest thing ever, right? He's human. Imagine that. And this church pretty much erased him. It was like Moses, Moses got casted out when he came back and Pharaoh found out he was a Hebrew instead of an Egyptian. And they said, strike his name from the books and the pylons. That's what happened to Pastor Bob. The man who started this church, this movement in South Florida. Okay, he messed up. <laughs> where's the where's the forgiving? You know, I had a problem with that at first. Again, going back to my old ego and condemning Calvary because look at these hypocrites. But who am I to judge that? Right, I'm no better than them. But I say all that to say we're gonna fail. I can love God with all my heart, but He knows me. He knows I'm a broken man, and I believe He gave me self will because He knows I'm gonna use it. I'm gonna mess up. I'm gonna need Him more. I believe he, that's my belief in what he did for me. So, yes, if you're new or struggling or you had a problem with this God thing, just put it down for a second, right? And just ask yourself, <laughs> what do you got to lose? That life you've been living in, in, in your hardheadedness, that, that's there waiting for you, right? You know what the results from that. You know what you get from that. But give this a try and, and let's see, right? So, that's it. Thanks. <laughs> Let's give another hand for Keith. Uh, I'd like to bring up the secretary, who's also the joke teller, Joey. <laughs> Mr. Fun Guy. How are we doing? Mr. Fun Guy slash joke teller slash... Your recovered alcoholic secretary. All right. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, in keeping with the seventh tradition, which states that every group shall be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions, the baskets are now going around. And virtually, um, you guys have the opportunity to give um, via the interweb. And AA.org uh, is taking donations online. Um, the COVID has been hard on... Um, the beautiful fellowship that we all are a part of. So that could be a great way to help out and contribute. It's very easy. A couple clicks of the button, bing, bang, boom. You have supported it. So please do that. 
Now, I, uh, I asked a good friend to read the recovered statement. Before I do, I wanted to bring him up here. He's a beautiful child of God. After he reads it, I'm going to say a little dilly-do about him, as, as Mike <laughs> says. Um, anyway, here's the beautiful child of God named Eric. Recovered, we are not cured of alcoholism. Recovered, but not cured. That presents a conflict to some alcoholics. If we were cured, we would be able to drink responsibly. No, we are not cured. The allergic reaction to alcohol will remain with us for our lifetime. But we have been restored to sanity. That was the problem. The main problem of the alcoholic centers in his mind rather than in the body. We are now sane where alcohol is concerned. Consequently, we have recovered. All right, Eric. Eric, come up here, my friend. Thank you. Oh, I don't know how to. All right, so Eric um, is a recovered alcoholic, and he's from Riverhead. Little fun fact, and he has sponsees. He works this thing. He's had a spiritual awakening because of these steps. Um, we've shared a couple meals together. And um, you can just see the light in his eyes, the God in him, and uh, super proud of him. He's got one year. If you can't see, it's a lovely medallion. And um, yeah, so this is a little, because when you're out there and you can't really, he's back, Keith. And if you can't really, uh, you know, get a proper presentation like this, go celebrate by working with people. And because that's what it's all about. That's what Eric does. And God bless you, dude. I don't know if that was allowed, but we did it anyway. All right. Yeah. All right. Sorry. All right. I'll take this down. All right. Uh, so, 1940-style Bigfoot sponsorship from the forward to the second edition, Alcoholics Anonymous. Of alcoholics who came today and really tried, 50% got sober at once and remained that way. 25% sobered up after some relapses. And among the remainder, those who stayed on with AA showed improvement. What we've seen, felt, come to believe, and experience is that God has not changed over time, and neither should the sacred approach back to his loving arms. The statistics above suggest a 75-plus percent success rate. Now, at this time, um, people like I, Keith, and Eric, please raise your hand if you are recovered, um, as well in the Zoom, and... Now, anyone that needs a sponsor, uh, please raise your hand. And all you recovered alcoholics in the Zoom, um, please notice that and reach out to them so you guys can come together with God. Um, All right, beautiful. Um, Please join us Monday night's Big Book Study Meeting in here. Fellowship starts at 6.30. Um, Come in fellowship with each other. Meeting starts at 7.15. It's a great time. We got old Bill. We got Chris killing the traditions. Mike Chase, possibly Doc. We don't know that. Anyway, um, please look forward to seeing you there. Um, As well, um, your local intergroups, please go to the website um, and order some CDs, mugs, large print, big books, little red books, and big book dictionaries. It's a great way to improve your sponsorship as well as contributing to this great fellowship. Um, We meet every Thursday, starting promptly at 7.15. We ask that you be courteous and ready to begin at the sound of the bells. Thank you, everyone. See you next week.
Good job, Joey. Uh, we have tonight's uh, sessions and all past speaker podcasts online for free at alcoholicsandgod.org. I'd like to invite everyone to our Monday Night Big Book study. And for those who like to thank tonight's speaker, please thank him. Uh, yeah, thank him by going to say hello to him, or I, I don't even know um, if you're online. <laughs> and for those whom, uh, let's see, and let's close with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. See you all Monday or next Thursday. Godspeed. Body's heavy, soul is thirsty, body's aching.
Chase, here's that song you've been asking me for for a million years. I finally pulled it out the pulled it out the corners of my mind, and um, here you go. Just about to start. 
and plug in my guitar And I play my songs And people sing along And stomp their feet and raise their arms And here in this moment that we share Nothing could come song is god bless i love you mike chase bye
Yeah.